In the poem, Becoming Good Ancestors, Claire Roussel begins, They are wanting to tell us something, the future people, the people of whom we are the ancestors, yet they are the wiser. They are wanting to tell us what we do now matters. They want us to know that they see the dismembered ways that we live and how difficult it is for us to remember how to return to the family of all things. But their existence, these future people, their existence is the fact that it is possible. They know we feel trapped by this system of entanglements and obligations and the amputations of our imagination in a system that only ever intended to keep us blind to the bars of our cages. But they want to remind us that there was a time when we could not imagine a world order that was not based on the divine rights of kings. And before that, even, there was a time when we knew what it was like to belong, when we knew we were Eland and Mantis and Dancer, when we knew we were the firefly and the ocean, the stuff of stars and the breath of birds. For this month, we enter into the theme of generosity, but I felt I needed a moment of transition before doing so, before jumping into gratitude and hope and thanksgiving and hallelujah. Woof. Woof. Okay. We got to pace ourselves. It's okay. I wanted to follow up on what comes from remembering our beloved dead as we did last week that remembering the beloved, remembering also some the relationships that were not so beloved, missing the people that we had been part of in life, longing, longing in many ways still for some things that are never going to be quite the same. That remembering and the missing and the longing, it can be kind of its own time travel, albeit highly subjective. There can be such a genuine desire for one more moment with someone, to hear their voice, feel their presence. And so too, we recognize the complicated relationships as well, not a desire to go back, but the remembering of it for the ones that hurt us or hurt and the reliving of that again. Whatever the complicated nature of our memory, it can be so hard to find a way to achieve escape velocity. But eventually, eventually in the course of remembering, for the living, the question becomes, what now? What is next? The question begins to be the longer one as we go of our own legacy, our own memorial. It doesn't even have to be quite that grand. It could simply be the more modest 
element of what branches out from our connections, what flows from our relationships and our choices, what comes from what we love, what we fear, or what we hate, or what we sorrow. I mean, I am someone who loves to hang out in the past, to consider the past and what has come to us. We're fully grounded in that long line that has come before. But I am reminded, it's an anonymous quote from Facebook. We'll go with it. I think it expresses a certain truth, though. Too many people spend their lives being dutiful descendants instead of good ancestors. There's a difference. The responsibility of each generation is not to please their predecessors, but to improve things for their offspring. Make your children proud, not your parents. Yeah. I mean, I still enjoy the idea of living up to my grandmothers and my grandfathers and so on. And yet, the people that follow are my children, our children, the future children, those future people in the poem. And it is easier said than done. We, these mortal creatures, are pulled back and forth, back into the past, forward into the future. We have the language, we live in the language of obligation, of legacy, of living up to those who have gone before. It can be so compelling. We can find ourselves not only anchored, but frozen. So bound by Tradition, there is no room for creativity. And not in the, like, the positive, necessarily the positive implications of legacy, but so bound in legacies of harm, of addiction, of war, of disease. So as people navigating being so bound so frequently that it can feel like there's no way out, how shall we perceive the people of the future? Prepare, choose that future. I'm reminded in our core theology in Unitarian Universalism that we are not, we don't really need to entertain a lot about what happens after we die. We don't sell fire insurance, right? We don't wonder about eternal damnation. That's not where we spend our time. We practice the struggle of the past and the present and the future right where we are, knowing that we share a common destiny. We are bound, not not in immobility, but in relationship with one another and with this earth that we share a common path. 
We are part of the cycles of life and death and life again. And our task is to do what we can to address the hell on earth we create here and now. That's our task. Claire Roussel asks, how did you know something else was possible? Where did that idea germinate in you? Show us, point to the place. Tell us the story of summoning your siblings to revolt for a life of connection and dignity. For what dignity is possible if dignity is not available to all? <clears throat> the future people can see that we keep striving for that connection of life and dignity for everyone. So what first step is whenever possible that we would locate ourselves. Yes, we are beings being pushed and pulled with what has been and what will be, and what is all that is and what is yet to come. But the first place to begin is the self, is defining our dreams, as we say. It can look like claiming your dreams, as Roddy Bell Shelton Briggs says. My dreams matter. They matter as they pull me inward and yet simultaneously push me out of myself. My dreams matter. They matter as they speak to the breadth of love, of pain, of hope that rest deep in the fabric of my blood and bones. Such power it is to start with the self and claim the dream even when for so many of us, the now is a nightmare. Claim that dream. Claim the self. How to anchor ourself entirely in the presence, present it is a start. The challenge of transforming and doing something different, even when having named that dream, one of our superpowers, I say, is naming. We recognize how the challenge before us is so impossible to change something in our lives that could be so, that is so deep. That hell we create on earth. That what within, is within us is both fabulous and deeply flawed. from the presence of violence today, the many forms, both obvious and, and casual. I think it's that intractable problem at the heart of so many conflicts, so much death. When we act from anger and fear instead of compassion, how much the world weeps, that the world itself is doubled over in tears and feels impossible and impassable, bound and stuck. How to make a change 
when it's so hard to see a different choice. As the poet asks and reminds us at once, how did you know something could be different? The poet and Roddy both offer us for the reminder that something can happen. In the vastness of all this question, how can we possibly entertain the idea that we might feels like hubris to say we could become a good ancestor? Jeez, Louise. Taming that question of becoming a good ancestor feels almost laughable in scope. But I have a story to help make this person-sized, and it's shared with permission from a friend. So this friend, she says, I'm sitting in my car on the edge of my child's game practice, crying my eyes out about something big and small and true that happened today. I saw the proof of all of my cycle-breaking efforts. She said, do you remember when you were little and someone broke something or spilled something and everyone looked around and said, ooh, because you knew that someone was going to get in trouble? Mm. Or worse, when you broke something, your heart sank and fear rose up because you knew that punishment was coming. And you knew you didn't mean to, but your parent was going to be so mad. She says, this afternoon, I dropped a candle in a glass jar and it shattered and broke all over the floor, just everywhere. And instead of, ooh, and somebody's in trouble, my sweet baby girl called down from upstairs. Mommy, are you okay? That sounded scary. In the thousands of times in her nine years of life when she broke something or spilled, I was angry. But instead said those exact words to her, flashed through her, my mind, and then tears flooded my eyes. She will never be afraid of making a mistake or spilling her drink or being her clumsy growing self, or trying something just, just beyond her reach, or trying something new at all. Because I stopped it. It stops here. Getting angry or afraid would never even occur to her. Only concern, only curiosity, only empathy. Whatever I screw up in this parenting job and all the ways I cause harm and all the ways I hurt their feelings and all the things I do because I didn't know better, this one I got right.
that one switch, that one shift, that care, that love, that is the beginning of a legacy. And this work is not linear. It's not always improving, always progressing forward. But it's with texture and faltering and failure and trying again. My friend had a mere dream to change the world and interrupt that cycle with her daughter. And it looks like she did. It was a dream to expand the heart just that much more, to make love visible and in action. Because love seen and shown is reflected and amplified. A mere dream can nurture a forest for thousands of years. A mere dream can interrupt war. A mere dream can help ripple into the future and help the people of the future know us and see how did we make a change. Maybe a mere dream, our own dream, can save us now. May it be so. Amen.